0: everybody today we are joined by Dr. David Bernstein that's the appropriate way um welcome to the show Dr. Bernstein how are you
1: I'm doing great Bobby thanks for having me on your program today
0: oh it's my pleasure as we were talking before we got on air you have a lot of value I don't know how we're going to fit it into just one visit honestly um but you're an you're an author of some books and you come from the the real I don't want to oh, that's bad English the medical profession as opposed to PhD learning profession. Um, So why don't you kick us off with an introduction and and maybe why you're here today? What's your intention?
1: Well, thanks for uh, giving me a platform to speak today, Bobby. Uh, I grew up in New York, and uh, my dad was a World War II combat wounded veteran, which had an impact on my life, and uh, my family encouraged me to go into medicine, and um, I observed my mom, while I was growing up, get frustrated with the care her parents, my grandparents got as they uh, they aged, and she said, if you're going to be a doctor, you'd be nice and kind to people. And I also read an article in the National Geographic magazine about centenarians and those are people who live to be a hundred. And I said, I I like that. I want, I want to understand that. And, and one more thing that happened in my youth was that at my high school graduation, the commencement speaker uh, was a former graduate 10 years earlier uh, and he became an author. So I said, I'm gonna become an author as well as being a doctor. So all my dreams came true. Um, I had my practice of medicine and and I specialized in geriatrics and celebrated birthdays with people when they turned 100. Exactly on their birthday, I had lunch with them. Um, They got the 11.45 appointment. I finished it and I said, now let's have lunch. Um, What a great experience and opportunity that was in my career. Um, and um, I had enough time and patience. I listened to people, and I learned the secrets of what propelled people to have happy, healthy, long lives, and it propelled me to write my first book, I've Got Some Good News and Some Bad News You're Old, Tales of a Geriatrician, um, and what I assimilated from older adults. So that's who I am. Um, After 40 years in practice, I uh, um, went into my re-inspirement, I am now promoting my knowledge and spending using my 40 years of experience to do that. And I uh, collaborate with my wife who had 40 years of experience as an occupational therapist. And we're spreading the word about how we can live healthier and have great lifespans and health spans.
0: That is beautiful. And thank you. I'm so glad your dreams are coming true. And what you just said, and I don't want to go too crazy on this topic, but the fact that you identified goals and that you worked towards them and then you executed them and you found joy in them. Like, that's just such a beautiful story. And that's like my wish for everybody, including myself. Like that's, that's the point. I, I keep going back to this um, mantra in my head, um, be alive to live. And it sounds like that's what you're doing and you're helping other people do that. So, so, as you know this is an addiction recovery show and i'm of the belief of you know we can have a better life when we're not using whether it's gambling or drugs or drinking whatever the thing is um and you have ways whether we're in addiction or not it sounds like to have a better life uh one of your acronyms or or ways to teach is the word grace and grace is such a another beautiful word that's so impactful so maybe we can break down grace and how it relates to my audience
1: sure i'd love to and and i i could not have escaped being a physician without dealing with people and, and having people in my practice who had addictions and, and got through into recovery or, or didn't, and I saw lots of different types of addiction. So um, it's not my area of expertise, but I certainly know about it. And um, certainly learned from all sorts of people, which uh, helped me come up with the acronym GRACE. So I would ask people at, at events, what are the secrets of growing older? And um, I crunched the words and their phrases and came up with GRACE. So GRACE stands for people who have goals or a purpose in life. They know their DNA, their roots. They have a positive attitude, which includes gratitude and kindness. They develop companionship, which helps them get through life and they interact favorably with their environment, which is a whole bunch of everything else. Um, and so when I would talk to my, my patients, especially the ones that had these great lives, uh, they would tell me about that they had a goal or a purpose. Particularly, uh, my patients who had um, who were retired Salvation Army officers. They worked and they gave of themselves for other people. But when you have a goal or a purpose, it it it's, it gives some framework to your life, and it's incredibly important. And and that even in my re inspirement I have a purpose, and I made sure that when I gave up my regular job as a geriatrician and, and now doing what I'm doing, that every morning I get up and I have a purpose in life, I have goals and a purpose and I'm on my way to doing something. Um, people should know their roots, especially in, in a recovery situation where they may have some bad genes and DNA in their, in their makeup. And that um, or if they don't have that, but they're diabetic or there's a family history of, of heart disease, that they take note of it and make adjustments to their lives so that they don't become ill, make adjustments to how they eat, how they exercise, etc. cetera. Um, and then there's attitude. There was a story that I wanted to tell in one of my books about how good I was in in diagnosing someone's cancer and and. And it turned out when I was done with the chapter, it was really all about how people were able to express their gratitude. I saw the expressions on their face when they said, doctor, I'm so happy to be here today. You saved my life. And, and I thought that would be like my crowning achievement. My crowning achievement was seeing them express their gratitude. The expression on their face was just so real and, and, and so adoring and, and so meaningful to them that they were able to do that. And so it was a great lesson for me. Um, And then there's companionship. A life without companionship can be very lonely. And I write a little bit more about that in one of my other books, but but my patients who had these great uh, lives had companions by their sides. They had family and they had support system. And it's incredibly important to, uh, to have that. And then finally, it's environment, how you interact with your environment, whether it's the air that you breathe or the garden that you walk through or what you put in your mouth and how you exercise and how you how you see life and, and what you do out there. Uh, those were the five things that people can remember. If they can remember the word grace, then they'll remember those words and and they'll run their family that way or their business that way, or if they're a cook or they do it in a kitchen or whatever you do in life, you can incorporate grace anywhere. And it doesn't have the, a religious connotation, but it's all about five things that you can incorporate every day.
0: I I see a lot of synergy in your words and I wrote down a couple of things because your attitude story actually went back to, um, the, the, well, I, I wrote attitude, gratitude, and then purpose. So your first one had to do with goals and purpose. And it sounds like what you heard in your attitude story was your purpose being validated. Did I, did I interpret that correctly?
1: Um, yes, what it really, what, what I initially set it out to do was to be validated. But what I, what turned out as I wrote and finished the chapter, it was all about seeing that people who can express their gratitude, they got more out of it than me being validated. Oh, I love being validated. It was why I started that particular chapter, but it turned out that it it was like turned around as like more important than for me to be validated was to give people an opportunity to express that gratitude. And, and you know, that people who are in recovery expressing gratitude is really important.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a pillar and it's made all the difference for me, honestly. Um, And it's, it's not that hard. Like I practice it in the car. I'll have a conversation with just the universe and I'll make a list of what I'm grateful for just out loud talking to myself. And you know, it's free too. That's the other thing about these things. They're free. <laughs> um, and then relationships and environment were the other two that I wrote down. Um, and I'm going to table relationships. Cause I think you can talk a little deeper um, about the value of intimacy and sex and relationships. And we can dive into that. Um The environment piece, I'd like to um, drive home for my audience. If we're using, right, if I'm hanging out at a casino or um, I'm hanging out with my gambling buddies, you know, like I have one cousin I used to always go to the casino with. um, If I'm hanging out with the gambling people, chances are I'm going to go back to gambling. And I just want to call out, we have a choice in our environment. You didn't talk about casinos or bars when you talked about environment just then. You talked about nature um, and circumstance. So I want to just stress that we have a choice and we can pick the environments we want to be in and that that choice impacts our recovery.
1: Sure, absolutely. And but you have to know a little bit about it. I'll give you one example is is being in the environment of nature nature helps us. We get in touch with the earth and the ground and, and birds and plants. And that's a healthy place to be. And so you're right, you do have a choice. And, and that's a particularly good one. And going just going out for a walk or, or going to a beach or being at a lake and being in touch with nature, that's kind of where we come from, um, as opposed to other places that you mentioned that only, only bad things happen there.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's very true. Very true. All right. So let's talk about relationships. I, um, a couple points I'm going to bring out. And if you want to run with them, whatever your perspective is, cause you're definitely the expert says single Bobby right here. Um, but not that it's all just about that, but I'm a believer, um, that our relationship with ourselves kind of comes first. Right. And, you know, 12 step has this rule about no relationships the first year, which I agree with because it's hard to pay attention to ourselves and be the best partner if we're not our best selves. Um, but that being said, um, some people come in and they're already in relationships and they're changing and and there's all these variables. So if you can think about both of those situations, as you dive into, um, the value of relationships, how intimacy and sex play in, um, Just just thinking about them. I know that you probably have tons of words that you would say to uh, a normal person. I just wanted to put those thoughts in the back of your head as we have this conversation.
1: Well, um, I'll I'll delve into it in this way, is that. In, in my power of five formula that I came up with, those were things that all began with the letter S and there were five of them. And, and if you notice there's a symmetry between grace, which is five letters and, and the power of five, which is five S's. But S's, avoid sweets, avoid stress, get more sleep, sweat, and sex. And my generation is one where we thought, or I thought sex sells. So I made sure to have sex in my formula and sex on the cover. Uh, of my book and in particular as we speak today sex is about socialization and companionship and connections and intimacy and the opposite of intimacy is loneliness so so in, as we talk about this intimacy it's it's really a very personal thing and it's very um, important to form intimate relationships with people. And as you said, uh, and, and I didn't include it in my five parts of, of, um, of uh, socialization and sex is the relationship you have with yourself. And so it becomes really important when one goes into recovery to really know who you are because you've, you've blunted it or deadened it with alcohol or one addiction or another, food or sex or, or gambling. And it's really like sitting in a room and saying, Who am I? What do I want to be? Where am I going in life? And it becomes important because, as you said, it's hard to strike up a relationship when you're trying, when you haven't figured out who you really are. If all those years of doing what you did, it's like, Who am I? And, and when you get to that point, then you can have forge an intimate relationship with another person. And, and because you really know your authentic self. And mm, I guess we're not the most authentic in everything that we do all the time. So becoming authentic and really knowing who you are is important.
0: Uh, yeah. I noticed a big difference. My pre-recovery um intimacy slash sex behavior versus not. And there's it's different. It's completely different when you're vulnerable and you're authentic. and um you can connect in ways that aren't superficial, I guess is is the better word. So I've experienced that firsthand. and it it then becomes it sets the bar you don't ever want to go back to a bar picking up people or or doing, you know, the other like more dangerous behaviors. But you also said, um, loneliness and I'm a believer that loneliness and it's asked in our 20 questions. Did you gamble? Cause you're lonely. It's not worded quite that way, but, um, so how could people avoid loneliness? Is it through the power of five or, or what's your feelings on that? So like if, if we can help people address loneliness, um, do you have any wisdom on that?
1: I have some thoughts about it. Um, my thoughts come a little bit as because I'm a male, um, and and that I've interacted with women in my life and women in my practice, and 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 women seem to have um, a greater tendency to be out there and be more friendly. Men less so. And and the the other aspect of this is that the opposite of loneliness is intimacy. So. I wanna be intimate, if I wanna be intimate with someone, I have to really know myself pretty well uh, because I'm gonna be really putting myself out there and the word you use, which is a great one, is vulnerable. If I'm gonna be vulnerable with another person, I need to know who, who I am. And and that requires some ability to ask questions. Um, who are you? What What is our relationship gonna be about? How much do I wanna share with you about who I am? And, and my observation is truly that women do this better than men. But, but the other thing is, we have an epidemic of loneliness in this country and it preceded the pandemic. And this is data that, that's available. And that loneliness is a health hazard. It's the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day and it's worse than being obese. Really. Wow. So when you think of or when I present my five things that people can do to make themselves healthy, it's to address the loneliness factor. And and for me, as a primary care physician and someone who had a job that started at six or seven in the morning and went till eight o'clock at night, there weren't as many opportunities to be Um, to have relationships with people and, and have that, those authentic times in my re-inspirement, I've made it my business because I know how important it is to forge relationships with people. And, and so, and in, in the case of people in recovery, finding the right healthy people to have those relationships with because you know if you meet someone if you're uh, abusing alcohol and you meet someone at a bar um, it's not going to go well so so I have explored, well, where are those, where are those opportunities? Well, they're in safer locations, like in clubs, like a photography club or a chess club or a bridge club, or, or among your friends who are um, not into abusing who you can play Mahjong with or, or a bowling group or a golf group or, or some group of people. And then you, I go out and I meet people. Hey, Ed, I've known you for a number of years, but we've never had lunch together. Let's have lunch. Let's be friends. And, and I've even told my friend Ed and my friend Bob that I'm doing this because it's, it's good for me. And I like you. You're a nice guy. And let's have lunch. And, and I've made it my business to that's how I'm taking care of myself.
0: How do your friends receive that? Like guys can have those kind of conversations. Like, Hey, I want to be your friend and and I I'm doing this to take care of myself. Can guys have those conversations?
1: Maybe I've hand selected my friends, but I guess they can. Um, I, I also have a a group. Um, one of the people called our Romeo group, retired old men eating out. Um,
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: I knew you'd like that one. Um, Five letters so, again. Yeah. It it's, um, we meet on Thursdays at twelve thirty. Most of us, and we just sit around and schmooze. We just talk about whatever's going on, and and sometimes it's a little heavier than others. But you know, we've gotten into kind of heavy conversations about um, our children or our spouses and how we feel about certain things. Sometimes it's politics. Uh, um, some of the guys in the group are more into sports. Uh, some of them are into cars, which I'm not. So we may spend 20 minutes talking about some old car and display a picture of a car, but it's, it's something that men don't typically do. And it's something maybe when I listen to my wife's conversation, she does a little bit more, but it's, it's an important ingredient in our health. And, and it would be as if for me to say, well, you know, go on a Mediterranean diet and exercise, um, and and here you need these medications and and not include the fact that incorporating the social interaction with people and making connections because that's one of the five elements and it's an important one. And if we just shut ourselves in a home with our our spouse and our kids we're missing out.
0: I like I like how you talked about the having these relationships. So relationships is more than just our significant other, it sounds like, if I'm hearing you right. And one of the things that I've discovered in it, it sounds like you have this too. The kinds of friends that we can say, we wanna have these conversations or these outings that as, and that it's healthy for us. And these are things I couldn't say most of my adult life. Like I would never be able to be that transparent with the person or show up with them in a way that was again, going back to vulnerable, right like I, I would never talk about the deep stuff. maybe it's um you know church or philosophy or just these things that evoke feelings and that are important to me. But what I've learned is if if I don't have that Synergy with people, then they're not the people I should be spending my time with, which again goes back to choice and recognizing that um so I love that you've created this population of people like, it kind of inspires the other people to be a little bit more open. Right. And, and maybe they've been thinking it or feeling it all along, but, but did you find that like you, maybe you were the ambassador, so to speak, to nurture these relationships.
1: I did feel like I was the ambassador, but it's not like they didn't become ambassadors, you know, or receptive, Um uh, 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 partners in, in that relationship. And, and you know, I, I, have done this with others too. I, i reconnected with some medical school classmates of mine who live out of state. And, and I, 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 we were close when we were in medical school and I just sent them an email to say, I'm going to be up in your part of the country. I'd love to to spend a day or two with you. And they were incredibly receptive, receptive, um, they invited me into their homes, you know, and we spent the night, my wife and I, and, and my wife didn't know the spouse or the individual, um, my friend, but we, we blended like a family and you talk about kids and you know the challenges with one or another different politics that one kid had that the rest didn't have and grandkids and and things that i wasn't able to do or didn't have the time to do in my busy practice of medicine and and without the the known importance of one of the things to nurture my health
0: oh that's great I I do that too. I met a lot of people in online learning, um, during COVID. And then I took a tour in September of 2020 and I stayed with people I had only ever met online, you know, in these communities. And, um, you know, some of my best friends have come from the like-minded, um, the like-minded kind of environments like medical school or, you know, in our case, online learning or whatever. So that's pretty, pretty amazing. So, in your books, you talk about both things. Um, I'm curious with your experience. You you talked about I'm gonna have a hard time saying this word centenarians. Well done. Um, okay, thank you. So, did you see these themes amongst the centenarians, people who made it to hundred years old? Like, do do you have um do you have any Did you see any trends, I guess, like the people who lived to 100 were in great marriages or had big circles of friends or were these was this part of what comes into the books, um, this combination? Did you see any any trends?
1: Not as much in the centenarians as I would like to say. I wrote my book. If, and and my only sense of what went on in the world was that 1973 article in on National Geographic magazine. But National Geographic has gone on and identified blue zones in the last few years, and and I did not uh, inquire and read that before I published my book. But I came out with a with the same general idea of what promoted living to be 100 in these long lives. When I would ask individuals that I had an opportunity to, um, it wasn't that way. I have an aunt in California who's 102, and I love my aunt. I visit her whenever I go out there, and we go out there a couple times a year. And I said one day to her, so Aunt Flo, uh, what's the secret to being 102? And she said, I have only one word. And it's a Jewish word. It's an, a Hebrew word. It's mazel. And I said, well, it means luck." I said, you mean you're 102 only because of luck?" She said, yes. I said, no, that's not really true. I said, you have a family and you have good kids and grandkids and they come to visit and you go to your book club and you play bridge and you still do sculpturing. So you have some things you've done in life and you can't tell me that you ate poorly because you ate pretty well in your life and, and you did remain active. So that's not the case. Now I know I could also talk about my 98 year old mother-in-law who didn't have any of those things. So it's a bit more random, but what I can say is my patients who did exemplify grace they were in their 80s and 90s and had great lives. And they 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 did exemplify the companionship, the, the socialization part that really made it clear that that was the glue that held them together because these are a group of retired Salvation Army officers who went to church together and they had dinner Sunday night together and um, without... Violating any HIPAA HIPAA regulations. <clears throat> these people would inquire about their friends. And uh, of course I wouldn't say anything, but it was like, I would take in the information uh, and and know that they were looking after their friends, that they were like their family. And so those were, and they all had a goal and a purpose and, and they, they did know what their roots were at least family roots within their organization. And, And they did have these amazing attitudes and they were so grateful for what they had.
0: So you don't have to cure loneliness by being in a relationship with one person.
1: Um, no, um, you can break out of that loneliness by having relationships with not, lots of people. And, and if you're not fortunate to have uh, a spouse, but there can certainly be other people in your life. I think that's what you're asking me.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to double check that Um you can. It, you said the opposite of loneliness is intimacy. So you can have intimate friendships and and that kind of thing. It doesn't have to all go to sex. Although sex is a good part.
1: Yes, yeah, so I, I say it exactly that way in my book. Um, Yeah, it has its added benefits, but um, your five BFFs and we typically a person can have five people that they're really um, intimate within their lives and they share all their intimate details. Those five people are incredibly important. Or the the 10 or 15 people who you see regularly enough in your book club, in your Mahjong group, in your card game, in your golf game and and that sort of thing. And those are people that are supportive of you. And um, one of the women in my wife's uh, book club group lost her husband uh, last week and the outpouring of support for her when we went to her home a couple of times, um, you know, just support people and know that that they're there like a safety net in uh, in the event of something like that and and knowing that they're there there is really helpful
0: I, i like calling this topic out because especially with gambling it's the highest suicidal rate addiction of all of them and when you when you're talking about outpouring and support and love and and having those five people um It just makes me kind of pause and wonder, you know, if, if we all did live with grace and the power of five, would suicide even happen? Right. Because we might feel, obviously it's probably not the cure, but if we did feel um, connected and had that support, you know, what kind of difference could that make in people's lives? That's, that's what I'm feeling right now. I
1: I think there, there's another component here, which is more scientific. And that is that there's a certain feeling one gets in the company of others that from which there's a release of serotonin. And, and that gives us a, a feeling of either happiness or contentment. I'm surrounded by people. The, the issue with people who have addictions is they're looking more for pleasure, which is a dopamine, effect and so one has to make a transition to feel that serotonin this contentment and and it's so transitioning from pleasure or pain in addictions to one of happiness or in my case I just consider myself content that there's an a feeling of contentment in my life that I get from those companionships or exercising or eating right and, and so forth.
0: I've, as much as I've heard about dopamine and serotonin through 600 episodes, I have never heard it explained quite so well from that lens of, of the distinction between pleasure and contentment, uh, with the two hormones, like never heard it that way. So thank you for that. Um, that just offered me some serious clarity, um, the pleasure, the instant gratification versus gratitude showed up for me when it comes to contentment, like how do you be content without being grateful? Cause you have to acknowledge your environment and, and be okay with it. At least that's my interpretation. Um, you said, and, and I hope it's okay. I know I go all over the place, but I've decided I can, um, <laughs> but the power of five, you had the S's and you said a couple other important ones on there. So can you go through those one more time? Um, cause I think I heard sweets in there. Uh,
1: I, I'm yes, I'm gonna do it and and sweets is a particularly important one too, because there is dopamine with that one release as well, but it's about avoiding sweets and sugar is particularly harmful for our body, and we have to figure out ways of breaking that sweet sugar addiction because early in life uh, when we would eat breakfast cereals with raisin bran or Froot Loops or Pop-Tarts or whatever your, what was your favorite one, Bobby?
0: Frosted mini flakes, (laughs) mini wheats, those little square things. Yeah, they were
1: good. I I had them all. I did (laughs) one of these podcasts and we, we agreed that Captain Crunch was a really good one too. Boy, was that sweet. But we became addicted to that. And, it, and one has to break from that addiction because there's inflammation, my whole the power of five. It's all about inflammation and the inflammation that happens in our body from all five of those things. So sweets and sugar can cause inflammation in the body. And that's what makes it unhealthy. It also leads to obesity and, and diabetes. And so eating a diet and but sweets really is about eating a healthy diet. Mediterranean diet, one with lots of fruits and vegetables and fiber and grains and nuts and so forth, and transitioning from the SAD standard American diet that that people eat nowadays. And 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 that contributes to that sugar addiction or getting a, a, a spike in our a dopamine from eating a piece of candy.
0: Can I ask you something a little, I, I'm going to abuse the fact that you're a knowledgeable doctor here, but because i'm struggling with this one with with fruits like i love all kinds of fruits and i've figured out that some of my favorites are high on that glycemic index so like the pineapples and the bananas and and stuff and the last 3 weeks i haven't had any sugar like no zero um you know good sweets by good i mean bad um like ice cream and the things that i enjoy and um my weight's not changing and i'm eating things like apples and um haven't had bananas but I noticed that nothing's changing and I'm getting a little frustrated and I'm wondering if the fruit is tripping me up so can you just talk about that for a second this is me being selfish a little
1: it it, it may be tripping you up a little bit but if you had a choice of a skittle or an apple or a skittle and a banana the fruit is going to be better and and Focus on the health benefits before the weight benefit, the weight may may eventually um, improve. The the thing you can look at in in your vision is that Skittle over there, all it is is sugar. That banana, that grape over there, it does have sugar. It's natural sugar and it has fiber around it so if you're eating something that has the sugar and fiber the fiber is doing is offsetting that a bit so you know it becomes a a bit of a mind thing that i i i'm going to eat apples and apples are really healthy apple a day keeps the doctor away um there the mangoes i i went to some some presentation this week, and, and the guy mentioned mangoes like 20 times. It's like one of my favorites and it does have a high glycemic index. It, it's like eating candy. So I, I might put it near, nearer to the Skittle than, than my apple. But um, when you think of it, think of the fact that it's grown on a tree, it's not manufactured. Nobody had to process it or put anything else in it. It's going to be better for you in the long run. Okay. Thank Make you. Make that pretty simple.
0: All right. Yeah. I like that. That definitely does instead of, yeah, my Skittles. I get it. All right. So what were our other S's we had? So
1: avoid sweets, avoid stress. stress. And, and I'll remind you and everybody listening that every one of my S's is attributable, can be attributed to causing inflammation. So stress will cause inflammation. It will cause uh, this release of cortisol in our bodies, which is a stress hormone. And so avoid stress. And if you can't avoid stress, such as what we talked about earlier about, you know, coming online with a whole bunch more things to do, at least learn some of the techniques that can reduce stress, like meditation or being mindful or some way of doing some kind of relaxing activity. Um, And then get more sweat, which is exercise. 30 30 minutes, five days a week It's 150 minutes a week um, is the the lowest threshold, but it will have a satisfactory impact. And the maximum benefit occurs around 450, which is 90 minutes five days a week. Wow. And 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 since we're talking to people who, who develop some dependency and addictions, we have to make sure to include that people can get dependent or or addicted to exercise. So anything over 450 is just some added benefit added time, but there's no added benefit. So exercising between 30 and 90 minutes at five days a week, and and incorporating, you know, stretching and strength training and cardio and all that sort of thing um, can be really helpful for people. Um, it increases muscle mass reduces osteoporosis it releases endorphins we feel better um, we help helps control our weight better and our appetite and so there's some really good things it reduces inflammation um, uh, get more sleep mm. seven or eight hours of sleep Bobby. You know, you're, you're a busy person, but we need to at least work ourselves up to that. And, and in, in the transition from everyday work to what I'm doing now, one of my chief goals was to improve my sleep quality and time. And it's not easy we get really busy at night and i'm a night person and you know i may be tired at 7 in the evening but but come 10 o'clock i'm like back and forth doing stuff like a whirling dervish but but being able to wind down and and give the importance to sleep that it deserves is incredibly important and so that's avoid sweets, avoid stress, get more sleep, sweat. And, and then number five was sex, which we talked about as socialization, uh, intimacy, and, and those things. They all have an impact on inflammation. And, and inflammation is a thing that causes heart disease, cancer, and neurodegenerative disease. And neurodegenerative diseases are uh, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, other forms of dementia. And those the neurodegenerative diseases is the thing that I think most, we'll call them older adults or middle-aged adults, start to become concerned about. It's, yeah, we don't want to die, but, but many of us don't want to have a memory impairment and that affects the last 5, 10, 15 years of our lives. So that's part of the motivation for me to explore that and include those five things together.
0: Well, I think what you just said is really important. I mean, everything you said is pretty important. I'm learning a lot of things here and I appreciate it, but I don't know that this is the belief I'm under and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but all these things, if we're doing the power of five and we're doing these kinds of things, that really is what sets the stage to, like we can almost prevent some of those diseases if we're doing this stuff, right? Am am I fair? Well,
1: I'm really... I'm really cautious about using the word prevent. It, it delays the disease. It reverses some of the components of the disease. It has a profound impact. Okay. Um, we're all going to die and our heart's going to stop one day. So, but, <laughs> but we can delay that. And, and it's important to also realize we can retire at 65 and die at 95 and have 30 years of disability or, we can improve that 30-year frame, time frame and have good health until the day we go to sleep and don't wake up. And that would be the goal of most people. And and that would be my goal. So avoiding disability um, and the way to do that is incorporate the power of five and reduce inflammation.
0: What I think one of my biggest takeaways from talking to you is your term re-inspirement. As you were just talking about the difference between 65 and 95, uh, through my career, I find that there's a population that wanna work beyond 65, not for the money, but for that simulation, for the socialization, for the sweat, for for all those reasons that you talk about. And they're pretty much like at work until the day they die in some cases, because that's where they're getting a lot of their five from. Um,
1: Correct. You got it. Okay. it. All right, And, in, and it was, um, I think in one of my chapters of my first book, I I did write about some people who, who um, offered me that opportunity to see that the one particular guy um, was into real estate and, and he had, he was on oxygen he had bad lungs and a bad back. And, and I said, why are you going to work? He said, because I, I, I enjoy being there. And, and he had enough money. So he had some chauffeur who drove him around and he just liked picking up his rent checks. He liked opening up the window and seeing that he owned property in Clearwater, Florida. It, it kept him alive. And the same for the, for the this one particular man who, who was retired, but then worked as a security guard at a, a historic hospital, hotel in Clearwater, Florida. I said, what are you doing that for? And he said, I like being with the guys. I like making a contribution to this. And my final part about, about this man, he said, and if I had to spend all day at home with Edna, one of us would be in, in, a, in their grave and the other one would be in prison. <laughs>
0: That's so funny. Well, Dr. Bernstein, is there anything that you want to touch on? And I want you to let everybody know where to find your books, of course. But is there anything that you wanted to share that's you know, part of what you think is important that I might not have asked about?
1: We covered a lot of ground uh, in talking about grace and the power of five. And, and those are two, two sets of five. So now people have about 10 things to think about. But I like to think that people can keep it simple. And if they're doing, if they want to incorporate grace or they want to incorporate the power of five, I think it's helpful to keep a journal uh, and write down maybe every day that, did I get enough sleep? Did I get enough? Did I work on my stress? Did I eat right? Um, and, and those sorts of things. Um, did I handle my stress well? Um, do I have a goal and purpose in my life? And, and am I incorporating an attitude of gratitude. I mean, those are all the things that I think are important. Um, I love the fact that I'm an author and have books that are available on Amazon or through my website, which is, uh, power five life.com. I'll say it slower again, power of the number five life.com. And, um, uh, there's a free gift available if someone uses the power of life slash, uh, dot com slash gift, they'll get a, a free gift and a. Um, my wife's writing some healthy menus and, and I have a, a, a free booklet called um, um, Notes on Living Longer. Um, And the other thing that I've done recently is I've converted my power of five into an online course, which is available through my website too. You mentioned something about being online education. So yeah, that's my, our, our latest foray into online education is to provide that five and a half hour course that outlines all of many of the things that we talked about here today. And I go into greater detail about it. And I think that that's not only important for individuals, but for corporations because it's one way of showing that they care about their employee or their workforce that they'll give them something that will help their health it will improve loyalty it'll reduce absenteeism it'll promote better health and lower insurance costs so so there's a whole bunch of reasons why I I produce that course. Um, and I'd love for people to start um, incorporating the power of five and grace in their lives. And um, I've enjoyed the opportunity to speak with you today, Bobby, it's been really enjoyable. I enjoy the fact that I was able to see your expressions and, and, and see how, how you lit up when we talked about some of these things. Uh, it, it, it warms my heart to know that, that, there are audience out there that listens to your program and tries to assimilate the nuggets of, of what you bring out from your guests. I think that's really a great thing that you do.
0: Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you being here. And I'll tell you the more and more shows I do, and the more people I speak to my views are really two things. One, everybody recovers different and everybody can offer um, different nuggets that different people in the audience can relate to. So that's really important to me because not everybody's going to go through their journey the way I went through mine. And the other is these common themes. Um, and you're, you brought up the common themes in the power of five and, and things like sleep and eating, right? Like they're crucial and they're, they're like no gives. And I think, um, hearing those messages, especially from experts. I'm not a doctor. But you have a doctor, 40 years, you have all this credibility um, and wisdom and you're sharing it with the world. And I, I just can't thank you enough for that. So I really appreciate it.
1: it been my pleasure. It, it really has been enjoyable to speak to Bobby, to you, Bobby, uh, about these subjects and, and recovery is just so important and you're right. Everybody does it differently. And from the doctor's standpoint, I haven't said this, but from the doctor's standpoint, it, it, it's like automatic because they just stop doing that. And and that's not the solution. <laughs> and, and I had to sit and listen to people. Uh, um, I listened really carefully to what was going on in their lives and trying to find that little button to push deep buried inside some button that says, I want you to understand what's going to happen. And, and I know that in a couple cases, it was really effective. And, and I know that there were people, it was enlightening to me in my practice who came in and they said, I'm in recovery. I've been in recovery for 35 years or 20 years. And, and they would share with me what they did. What a gift to me that people would tell me what worked for them and how it happened. And, and, and that, that's that vulnerable part of what we've been talking about is like, I have been in recovery for 30 years, I'm able to tell him how it happened, and how I maintained my sobriety or my it, it, it stayed in recovery for so long. That's how I was able to do this, write these books, because people told me what, what generosity they had that they shared with me and and it enabled me to be better at what I did and and try to address that and, and get right in there and and you know ultimately Bobby you need to get yourself a person needs to be in front of a mirror and just stare at themselves and say I love you I'm gonna do this and really stare it down and say I'm gonna eat right. I, I'm going to exercise. I'm going to go to those meetings uh, and, and find meetings. It's not going to be easy to find meetings, but I'm going to find those meetings because it's going to make a difference for me. And I love myself and I'm going to do it. Just like the power of five, got to look in the mirror and say, I can incorporate these things. I can do it. Dr. Bernstein said I can. There's enough time in the day to do it. I'm going to do it. Love it.
0: We'll end there because Everybody can do it now that you've gotten them all lined up. So thank you again.
1: It's been my pleasure, Bobby.